0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. About 10 years ago, when both Scott and I were working for Hewlett-Packard, we had to go to a meeting down in Dulles, Washington, D.C. And it was really for everybody in the sales office. So we all booked a flight. It was on a Sunday night. It was an early Monday meeting and we went to the Rochester airport and we climbed on this regional jet it was one of these smaller planes where they have two seats on each side but they're not the regular airplane seats I mean you're really squished in there and you can't even put a briefcase they they check your briefcase on the um, outside the plane on the tarmac so we climb on this plane and it was kinda cool we could take a business trip together and I was at the window and Scott's in the aisle and We took off out of Rochester, and we're going down. You can see the Finger Lakes, kind of a nice day, and um, we're kind of heading towards some clouds. And all of a sudden, the oxygen masks deploy. It's like, whoa. So all those years, I mean, I'm, I'm like 42 at this point, all those years of being on a plane ride and hearing the briefing, you know, okay, put the mask on, tighten the straps, breathe normally, the bag may, may or not inflate, you know, and I'm going through all this. And out of the uh, corner of my eye, I noticed my husband is flipping through a magazine. <laughs> And it's like, then it comes back, okay, get your own mask on first before you assist the idiot next to you who (laughs) obviously hasn't even noticed the oxygen mask deploying. I mean, I had to untangle it. You know, I've got it on, I'm hyperventilating. And I turned to him, I go, put on your mask. And he's like, he looks over out the window, he goes, you know, I've been on higher mountains than this. You know, everybody in the entire plane is sucking air through their oxygen mask. And so Scott heaves a big sigh, undoes his seatbelt. It's like, oh my gosh, it's bad enough? He's not wearing the mask. He's getting up. He goes up to the door of the airplane, knocks on the door where the pilots are. We all sitting there like in this panic. I'm convinced we're going down, you know. And we hear, yes. Scott says, "Uh, do you know that the oxygen masks have deployed back here? There's like a pause. Uh, just a minute. (laughs) This is not instilling confidence in me at this point. I'm still, you know, sucking in my oxygen mask. Scott comes back, puts on his belt, and starts reading again. It's like, you know, what is going on? The pilot comes out. Not the pilot, I hope. It was the (laughs) co-pilot. He comes out, he looks about 16, and he says to all of us, well, you know, we got a little slow leak in the cabin pressure, so we're just going to fly under 10,000 feet uh, to Washington. And um, so, you know, we all kind of take off our mask, and it's kind of jumping around the whole rest of the flight. And it was a, kind of a rough flight, and every time the plane did this, you know, I'm, I, I got a death grip on Scott. I think he was bruised by the end of that flight. But he, he, he was bored. That's how calm he was. He was bored. And I realized later when I was able to um, get some of the blood out of my legs because I had all the adrenaline going like fight or flight kind of thing, is the reason he was bored is because he's a private pilot. And so he can look out the window and know that we're at 5,000 feet because he's, he's aware of altitude and flying and all of that. And for him, this was nothing. You know, he... He had figured it out in his little engineer's mind of what was going on, and so, I mean, it wasn't a problem. Um, It certainly was nice to have one calm influence in the plane during that situation. And when I read this gospel reading about Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat, it reminded me of this plane experience where the disciples are in a boat. Now, when I went to Israel, they have a boat. They have done, it's 2,000 years old, when they had a little drought, some fishermen tripped across this wood, and they, they put polyurethane around it, and they raised it up out of the Sea of Galilee, and they built a museum around it, and it is a boat from the time of Christ. So, looking at the boat, you get a real idea of what they're talking about. And it's about 30 feet long and 20 feet wide, and it is totally open. So you can imagine if the waves are coming over the boat and plunking down into the boat, the boat is definitely in danger of swamping. And that's what is described in the gospel. It's rainy and it's windy and the water's filling up the boat and the disciples are afraid they're going to swamp and drown. And Jesus is sleeping, sleeping in the back. Now let's think about that. We all go to sleep at night, right? So we all go up, we get in bed. Sometimes it's easier than other times. The older you get, the harder it is to go to sleep. You know, your mind's going, you're trying to relax. I mean, if you are the least bit uptight or something's going on in your head, sleeping is hard. It can take a long time to go to sleep. You know, you may have to, you could get an iPod and listen to repeats of the sermon. That might help, you know. But I mean, it's hard to relax and go to sleep if you're at the least bit distracted or you have anxiety. He's sleeping. Have I mentioned he's sleeping in the back of the boat? And the disciples are really frightened and they don't think he cares because he's obviously not paying attention to what's going on around him. So they wake him up. And he kind of looks at them and, you know, probably does what Scott did. Oh, okay, fine, peace, be still. And all of a sudden there's calm. That Jesus can calm the storm. And then he looks at the disciples and he says, what are you afraid of? It's a great question. It's a great question to ask ourselves. What is our biggest fear in life right now? I think it changes as we move through life. In high school, it might be that we're accepted or we, we can get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We move out into our 20s. We wonder, can we get a job? Will we be able to support ourselves? Then we worry about kids. If we have children, we worry about children. We worry about losing our job. We worry, worry, worry about things. We're fearful of things as we go through life. And then, of course, the greatest fear is, is death. You wonder about dying. What is that like? What will happen? So Jesus asks the disciples, what are you afraid of? And then he says, have you no faith? And what that tells me about Jesus is that Jesus is not afraid of anything. There's not one story in the gospel where they said Jesus was afraid. Now, we hear Jesus getting angry, we hear Jesus weeping, we hear Jesus enjoying life, but we don't hear that Jesus is afraid. And so what we do know from this is that Jesus can calm the storm. That it's Jesus who is the ultimate way of calming the storm. In the ministry, we call this the non-anxious presence. That when we're in the midst of a storm in our own lives, it's nice to have a non-anxious presence. And the non-anxious presence grounds us so that no matter how much is going on or how horrible things might seem, that somebody in the midst of it is calm. Because we can't think we can't think like ourselves when we're revved up and full of anxiety or frightened. When we're frightened, we are biologically have the fight or flight response. So we need an anchor. And sometimes people are an anchor for us. Hopefully that's what I get to do for you, is to be the non-anxious presence. Now I had to learn how to do that. And when I was a chaplain in the hospital, I was in the midst of one of the worst situations that occurred in my chaplaincy. There'd been a car accident, four children were um, injured terribly, families were there, the place was milling with a hundred people screaming and crying and all sorts of things going on, and I was in the midst of it, trying to help people work through it. And so my CPE supervisor had heard about it and he came up to me and he said, how are you doing? And I went, "How do you think I'm doing... It. This is awful, you know, all this stuff is going on I'm not sure what to do, I can't, you know try, I couldn't solve their problem I, I was just a mess. And he said well, let me give you a tool, let me give you something to get you through this. I said, what is that? He said, I'm going to give you the Jesus prayer. Now I've told men, some of you this before, so... He gave me the Jesus prayer, and and I didn't know what it was. He says, well, it's one prayer. It's Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. He said, you walk around and you say that prayer. That's how you will calm the storm around you. Because when you connect with Jesus, you are anchored. You can be calm. That your faith in Jesus as the calming one who could calm the storms, we have access to that. All we have to do is connect with Jesus. And sometimes we are called to be the non-anxious presence. Sometimes we have to even be it for ourselves. I love this prayer because I'm Episcopalian and it is repetitious. And I could memorize it. And it makes a difference. So we're going to do it right now. See, See kind of where you are. Close your eyes and I'm gonna pray the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on Me. 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 Do you feel the change? The quality of the silence now is different than it was just a minute ago. That sense of calmness, we can we have the presence of Christ available to us all we have to do is call upon it and the winds will be the winds will cease and the sea will become calm